Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Hello, listeners. Thanks so much for joining me for this podcast. This is going to be a little different podcast than most of the ones that I do in that I'm going to be interviewing a range of guests who have one thing in common. Um, they've all suffered in some way from loss of a pet or grief from loss of a pet. So you're going to hear some stories of their experiences um, of pets that they've loved and lost and how that has impacted them and uh, blessed them all at the same time uh, and so on. So the uh, the reason behind this episode actually started uh, for me a few months ago. I was visiting my grown son um, out of town, and he shared with me a story of uh, when our family dog was put down. So my son was uh, living outside the state when the dog was put down, and um, I called him to let him know he was at work, my son, and he was quite impacted by it because it was a beloved family pet. Um, and he was emotional and his boss came up to him and said, you know, what's wrong? My son said, you know, it, my, my family dog just, just died. And the guy said, you know, it's just a dog, get back to work. And, uh, the conversation with my son years later, it was years after, uh, the, the incident with the pet and it obviously still impacted him. So it kind of spurred me to think, let's go ahead and do an episode on pet loss, um, I personally am a big uh, pet fan. I have four dogs right now. I am—I I can't think of a time in my life when I haven't had a dog. I, I, I love dogs. So I'm going to start out by telling you the story of my dog, Lily, the one that my son um, was upset about. So um, I got Lily. She was a golden retriever and she was a puppy when we got her and my kids were young. At that time, I had two kids in grade school and I had my middle son, Ian, who was disabled. And the dog, Lily, would spend a lot of time with my, my two um, grade school kids. She would play with them. She'd go alongside them for bike rides and so on. Um, she would get into their garbage. My son would have uh, Taco Bell wrappers in his garbage can and Lily would get them. And of course she'd get sick. So it was kind of this, you know, they, they really had, grew up with this dog. Um, with my son, Ian, because he was um, not, you know, playing with her and so on, Lily just somehow instinctively knew that when she was in Ian's room, she needed to, you know, there was no no playing, no, no horsing around. She just would lay there and we would put Ian's hand on her so he could feel her fur uh, and so on. So lots of really happy memories with Lily over the years. So... Then, of course, like a lot, all animals, you know, they don't live as long as humans do. So she uh, was getting older. She was getting what many golden retrievers get with some arthritis and, and so on and uh, was not able to to walk as well. Uh, eventually, she couldn't do stairs. Um, and then at one point, she would lose control of her bladder and she would have accidents. And I, I know I could see it on her face that she was. I don't want to use embarrassed, but she was she was upset that she was doing something she knew she shouldn't do, but she couldn't control it with the with the bladder and and so on. So um, I kept her as comfortable as I possibly could for as long as I could with the help of our vet. 
Uh, but then the day came where it, it was time. She she wasn't able to move around on her own and so on. Um, it is my habit with my pets when they, we get to the point where we know the end is near um, and I've got an appointment scheduled for uh, them to be put down. I spent that last week giving them people food, which I don't normally give my animals people food. So um, with Lily, she would get breakfast, lunch, and dinner for that last week of whatever the family was having. Um, it didn't matter to me that it might make her grow up because she was too rich for her. I just wanted her to enjoy that last week of, of her life. Um, and when it came down time for her to, to, um, to be put down, it was a, a respectful and, and very, I was, I was, I was a beautiful moment. Um, she was being loved by, by my husband and me and, um, then suddenly she was sleeping. So it was, it was uh, the most humane thing ever. Um, because she had been such a beloved pet of my older kids, um, when I had, when I got Lily's ashes back, her cremains, I uh, purchased a couple of personalized boxes with Lily's name and a picture and, and so on on it. And I put some of her ashes in each of those and gave them to my kids because I knew that Lily was special to them too. So enjoy the stories you're going to hear and um, thank you so much for listening. So my guest for this part of the episode is Nina and she's gonna tell us a bit about her dog, Gus. So Nina, tell us about how you met Gus and how you found out about him. So I found Gus, I had just uh, lost a pity that we had rescued previously um, due to some health problems. And so I was looking for a new a dog to bring into my home and I found him on pet finder at a rescue down in Eugene, Oregon and lived in um, Western Washington at the time. And so I uh, was watching the process. It was a mama dog that had been pulled from a kill shelter in Los Angeles and transported up to the rescue in Oregon. She ended up um, spending her last couple of weeks there before she gave birth to 12 puppies. And he was one of those 12 puppies. Um, so the rescue just posted pictures online and I hurried up and filled out a very lengthy, like 12 page application and, um, was approved for one of the pups. I picked him solely based off a picture. He was, had the chunkiest little feet. So that was the selling point for me. Um, and so I went down and picked him up in September of, uh, he was born in June. I picked him up in September when he was three months old and brought him home he ended up getting kennel cough at the rescue, which was unfortunate. He had a pretty long case. So the first few months he was home, he was pretty much isolated. But I think that led to a little of our bonding. Probably. And um, so, yeah, so I had him for a long time. He unfortunately um, passed away this past May, just before his 12th birthday. But I had almost 12 full years with him. Yeah. So you said, was he a pity mix? What was he? Yeah. So he was uh 90% uh, Stafford American Staffordshire Terrier and 10% okay. Bulldog, according okay. to the DNA test that I had done on him, because you okay. always want to know. Yeah. Did you take him with you places or? Um... No. So he, he hated the car. Absolutely uh -huh. hated the car. And that was my intention. You know, we were going to go do all the things. And he was just a total homebody, which was fine because I'm sort of a homebody too. Yeah. Um, so he was content to just be in his yard and we've got pasture land. So our walks would consist of just walking the pasture. Nice. And he was content to just, you know, hang out. Um, 
with within a month of me rescuing him, my sister who lives next door had rescued a pity from a not so great situation who was just a couple months older. And so they were really close. So I would go over and get her next door and they would run through the yard and play together. And so that was really his, his exercise outlet when he was younger. <clears throat> Plenty of room. Um, that pasture, though. That's, that's great. That, that's great. Yeah. 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 So he was always just, just with me and, um, you know, there's no big, he had some health problems. He had a, a hip surgery when he was a year and he had a knee surgery when he was five and he had two different types of cancers that we had to have surgery for. So he'd been through, you know, quite a lot, but that's, I think partially why he landed in my lap because I yeah. took care of all yeah. of that. Yeah, absolutely. And you work in healthcare. I know, you so know, probably was yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I had a dog that um, uh, hated the car. I met fact, she got car sick. So it was like, we yeah. just, take her anyway because she just she did not like it and unfortunately then the only time she would be in the car when we was when we would go to vet visits so she knew car yes. and that was you know that connection she was like oh no, no i don't like the car at all so i get that um i also worked with a woman um who used to bring her dog to work and let the dog sit in her car in the in the parking garage all day and she'd go out and visit with the dog and so on and i think oh my dog wouldn't like that either to sit in the car all day long so right no, right no. so how about like house training and all that do you do real well with learning all the rules yeah, he did great with all of that. Um, he would, uh, had no problems with any of that. He was great with my parents. My parents would watch him. I work, you know, 10 hour shifts. So he would hang out with my parents while I was at work, um, which was always great. He was best friends with their little Jack Russell Terrier that they had. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, it was funny because he hated getting in the car, but once I would get him to the vet, he loved the vet. Oh, and good. he would rather stay at the vet than get back in the car to come home. So it was always, I would have to drag him out. He would sit behind the desk with the girls at the vet's office and, and not, I mean, eventually, obviously I would get him in the car, but he would, he just did not like the car at all. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. At all. At Interesting. all. Yeah. I wonder if he had, but, a love, what kind of bad experience could he possibly have if you got him so young though, but I'm thinking yeah, maybe that happened to I, him. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know. He never got sick. I don't know if it was if it was car sickness or what it was. He just did not want to be in the car. Maybe just it was a home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Who knows? But he um, yeah, I mean, he was just great. He was content. We would go out, we would play ball. He would chase the ball um, in the mud and the rain. It didn't matter what the weather was. He loved the snow. Absolutely loved to play in the snow. We always looked forward to snow every season, which we usually got because we're at a slightly higher elevation. So we would get snow when other people up over here didn't. Yeah. Um, but then he was equally content to just, you know, sit on the couch. If I had worked, you know, a couple long shifts and was exhausted, he was okay to just sit there and watch some Dr. Phil or whatever it was I was catching up on the following day, you know, something sort of brainless. So um, it was great in that regard. Um, and yeah, he was dog? just, was he an only dog while you had him? Nobody yeah, he was my dog. only dog. Okay. My parents had their Jack Russell. Um, and so he would be with them during the day. Um, and I had my sister's rescued pity next door that he would play with. But um, at night he was just, it was just us. Yeah. Yeah, just him. And yeah, him. only dog. Yeah, yeah. So you said he was twelve when he when it was time for him to go. How did you have a something that I mean we were talking about this before I started recording? When yeah, you know, animals kind of let you know when it's time. Did yeah, he, so he had, he he had had them decline over about a year. Um, I've got pretty steep stairs at my house, and so I had been using a harness because he'd had hip surgery, he'd had knee surgery, he was arthritic, he had arthritis in his spine, all the things I knew. 
Um, he was on supplements. He was on joint injections. Like I was doing all the things. Um, and so I'd been using a harness for probably about six months just to help him get up and down the stairs, just so it was more stable. Um, and then it got to the point where I had to move my bed downstairs because we just couldn't get up the stairs anymore. So we moved the bed downstairs and did that for a few months. And he had started having um, episodes at night where he was real restless at night. I don't know if maybe it was a little sort of an onset doggy dementia, some of the stuff that I read into, but there's no real testing for that. So I don't know if that's what it was, but he would round, he would, he would get restless at night. And I know that he was, you know, his, he was in some pain too, because of the arthritis. Um, And so I was actually scheduled to, or I was, I was leaving uh, the country for two weeks for a trip to Scotland and Ireland for two weeks with some friends. And he had had a really rough night that night. And so I knew that that morning was the morning. Oh, just before your vacation. Yeah, Mm. I knew. I knew that um, he was in quite a bit of pain and it was time. I feel like he let me know. And um, I mean, I was fortunate. I was able to get a vet to come out to the house that morning. My, I had to leave for the airport at 11 and she was able to come out at, at eight that morning. And I just thought, I can't, I can't be gone for two weeks and have it happen while I'm not here. I owe that to him. Yeah. To be there with him. I, I feel the same To be way. there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that was the least I could do. Yeah. So but, um, about, like, once he's gone, you know, you're getting used to life without your companion for the last yeah. 12 years, you know, and, well, and. I know a lot of people, as I mentioned before, we started recording, kind of do the whole, it was just a dog kind of comments and so on. But um, I know grieving an animal uh, is, is very real, very, very real. Yeah. So, you know, how did you handle that? What did you do to kind of get, get, get through that time? So I was able to sort of um, block it for the two weeks because I was on vacation with friends. And so it was sort of able to put it at the back of my head, even though I had, my moments while I was on vacation, like every time I saw a dog, <laughs> um, because I wasn't home. So it was, right. you know, um, so coming home was, was tough those first couple of weeks. Um, but while I was on my vacation, I remember specifically one night laying in bed while I was in Ireland. And I thought, let me just look at pet finder and see what's out there. And I happened to find a little, <clears throat> a little dog that needed rescuing out of Texas um, another little pity mix. This one happened to be a bull terrier pity mix. And so I, on a whim at, uh, three o'clock in the morning, filled out an application and, um, ended up adopting another little dog in his stead. Um, I shouldn't say in his stead, you know, I adopted another little dog because I knew that my house when I got home would be empty. And that was too hard for me. Yeah. Um, and I know he would have wanted me to. Yeah. I think every house should have a dog. I have four. So yeah, dogs. I, I, I well, and, and, um, one of my best friends and her daughter ended up filling up applications and adopting two litter mates. So we actually rescued three dogs out of Texas. Oh, nice. Um, so I like to think of that as his little bit of legacy. Yeah. You yeah, know, for sure. so it was, was yeah. what the new pup's name is. So his name is Bruno. Um, and there's a he's got a uh he's a white dog with a brown eye, but there's a little connection there too. So Gus was named after the Gus was gray, 
in coloring. And he was named after the mouse in Cinderella, Gus Gus, the chunky little mouse with the yellow shirt. Um, and so in sticking with that, what I have now is uh, Bruno and he's all white with a brown eye and Bruno was Cinderella's dog. Okay. So there's a little bit of a connection there between the two. Yeah. Um, cool. With, with the naming process. But um, so Bruno is, <laughs> he's a lot. He's, you know, I, it's been 12 years since I've had a puppy and I feel like this one's a bit more rambunctious than, than what Gus was, but um, he's super sweet and he loves to go in the car. He'll hop oh. right in the car and just carry and go right to sleep. So that's a little bit of a different experience from what I had before. Yeah, um, I different in that way. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But it's, but it's, but it's good. Yeah. Sorry. There's a, Parking in the background there. All right. So, did you have um, Gus? Did you have him cremated? Do you have ashes, or how yeah. did you handle that? So, um, I had him cremated. I had um, a paw print done in ceramic. I also had um, a pendant or a necklace made that has his nose and his paw print on it. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, the so I have all of those, and I ended up making a shadow box where they sent me some of his hair in a container uh, or some of his fur and his paw print. And I put the necklace in there cause I'm so afraid of wearing it and losing it um, with a picture of him in a shadow box uh, on my mantle in my bedroom. So it's a nice memorial. That's yeah. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, going through grief of a pet and we, I know we lose our pets during our lifetime. They don't live as long as we do. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Would you say, even though, you know, the grief has been quite real and obviously still painful for you at times, was it worth it? Would you do it Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's why we do it again. Yeah, I agree. You I know, agree. when we spoke earlier, we discussed a little bit about the favorite things and I was a bit too emotional to talk about anything because it's still super raw, obviously. But um, coffee was one of his absolute favorite things. Um, I don't recommend giving anyone's dog coffee, but um, we would every morning on the days I didn't have to work when I was home, when we got up, he'd have breakfast and we'd sit on the couch and I would drink my coffee and he would stare. He would drool just a little bit. And then I would always let him lick the coffee cup. Oh my His God. absolute, absolute is favorite thing. I've never seen it. Or has it got sugar and cream in it? I mean, a little bit of sugar and a little bit of half and half. Oh, Nothing so artificial. Funny. I don't. I've had um, yeah. in my life. I don't think I've ever had a dog that liked coffee. Maybe I've just never offered it to him. <laughs> I mean, and he would literally drool over it. And there was not very many things. He was not a drooly dog. It was very few things that he would drool over. Um, he also uh, loved to chase the ball. Um, we, I would get these hard rubber balls from the pet store because um, tennis balls, he would just pop in no time. And uh, he didn't necessarily have to chase it, but as long as he had two in his mouth, he was happy to just kind of run back and forth. You could throw the third and he would just run back and forth after it. Um, gosh, what some of the other things. Christmas was his absolute favorite. Um, he would unwrap presents. So we, as Scandinavians, we don't do the Christmas tree until a couple of days before. Right. Um, and we couldn't put the presents under the tree until we actually Christmas Eve because he would go in and try to unwrap them. Um, so I always had a couple of presents under the tree for him that he could um, unwrap on his own, whether it was toys or treats or whatever it was. And he would always help my nieces and nephews with pulling the paper off of theirs. And um, yeah, Christmas was a favorite thing. So this Christmas was a tough one yeah. uh, without him there for sure. 
Um, so yeah, those were a few of the things that he, that he loved. He'd been through a couple of surgeries and whenever he had surgery, my mom would always make soup. Um, my dad always thought it was for him, but it was for the dog. Um, so chicken noodle and beef and barley were two of his favorites. And no matter what he would always, you know, even if he was coming out of anesthesia, which was always tough for him, um, a little of grandma soup was always a good thing. So cure everything. Yeah. 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 So so he was just, he was just a great, great dog. And, you know, um, very, very, very special to me and a very, very tough loss. Yeah. Which, no, you know, that. you know, it's going to happen. And, and everybody's grief pattern is different, whether it's, you know, a person or an animal. I mean, grief is, grief is a very, um, I don't know, fluid is the right word, but a very fluid thing. Yep. Everyone ex mm -hmm. experiences it differently. And um, the time periods for it is very different. There's no um, one way. There's no one right way. And I'll even go so far as to say it's not even necessarily the same with the same person in two different grief episodes, right? It just depends on, absolutely. on what what the thing was that you lost and, and you know, how attached to it you were and, and so on. So, you know, I mean, yeah. and speaking for myself, I mean, I have had a number of animals in my life. I can't remember a time in my life. I didn't have specifically dogs, but sometimes cats. Yeah. But the dog I had when my kids were growing up, um, just for some reason has a like a bigger place in my heart. I really don't know how to phrase that. Yeah. But it's like it's like some of them, you know, I love them all. I loved them all. But yes. some of them just stick out where it's like, wow, I, you know, I remember birthdays and and things. And then I'll have those wonderful memories of things that 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 we did mm -hmm. with and so on. So it's kind of like it just I guess for me it's been like what what phase in my life was I in when when that dog right. was part of it. So yeah. So I like well, I said when I talk about grieving, it's like it's never the same, even from one person or a pet to another it's just not it's just you can't yeah nope absolutely and you never know what your little triggers are going to be I'm I'm fine and then you know I did um I think I started five years ago one of the nurses I worked with said you know because Gus was very photogenic um you should do Christmas cards with him and I'm like I'm not I don't have a family I'm not gonna do that um but I started and it yeah. was a big hit and so we dressed up um, the first year I dressed up as Mrs. Claus and I just put some antlers on him to see how he would handle it. The second year we were snowmen. Uh, what else did we do? I dressed him up as Santa Claus. I was a Christmas tree. Um, we did uh, elves. We were both elves one year. Um, and so it got to a point where it was something that like he was so tolerant. Like he would let me do that kind of thing. And it was a full on photo shoot because my mom was taking the pictures and she's not the best photographer. So there's a lot of retakes. But yeah. um, at the end, I was sending out over 100 Christmas cards and people oh. were looking for them. So this year, I I actually put on social media that I wasn't sending out this year because that was something that I specifically did with him. And I'm not ready to continue that tradition at this point. Um, but that was hard. You know, somebody just saying something as simple as I didn't get a Christmas card this year is something that was a trigger. Yeah. You know, little yeah. things. You never know where it's going to hit you from. You know, I can look at pictures of him sometimes and I'm fine and other times not. Yeah. But you have those, you know? those cards. I love that, that you have those cards for I do. some reason so on. And if, if, yeah. if, if you feel comfortable doing so, you should send a couple of those in to my assistant so she can add. Oh, those. yeah. I would love to. I have them I, saved. I, I, I have them those saved in their own album. Yeah, those are, those are such fun, fun, fun pictures and fun memories. And yeah, well, and and I would put them in the draw booths at, at the lab because one of my coworkers loved them. So she put it up and patients every year requested them. So yeah. every year I had to print extras to put in the draw booths and, yeah. you know, patients loved them. And, you know, it's not very yeah. often you see an 85 pound pity dressed up as 
You know, a snowman. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but you're at a really good point there in that, you know, that was your tradition and people were getting used to it. So then they ask you when they don't get it. And then then you have to to relive it, tell them all over again, well, you know, he passed and and that sort of thing. And that, that I think is common, not just for pets, but for anyone where they're like, well, you know, how's your son doing? Or how's your grandpa doing? I got to tell you. And then I have to, you know, then you're sad because you made conversations where I'm like, you know what, you can talk to me all day long about something that I've lost that I grew in. And and even if some of those memories fall down my cheek in tear form, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I don't, I'm not happy to have them. I'm, I'm always happy to have them. So absolutely. So absolutely. Work, I can remember times where I was at work and someone would ask me a question. I think, Oh my God, I have this conversation now and I'm at work and I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh-huh. and if, unfortunately you can't, you can't control, you can't control that either. And you're not going to send a card out and say, Oh, by the way, here's a card this year because you know, Gus isn't with us. So it's yeah, you know, yeah. weird. So, you know, anyway, I, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's, um, you know, I just tell people like, I just need a minute. Let me just, and then we'll talk about it, you know, because he was such an, a big, and I see that he was not just important to me, but to other people yeah. as well, they looked forward yeah. to it. So, you know, I had so many people that I felt like I know him just from your social media or from the Christmas yeah. cards or whatever, you know, yeah. and they always knew that I always had them done by Thanksgiving. They were out the soon, the Monday after Thanksgiving, they were always mailed out. So, and you're it was fun to do. So. On my little mantle, you're the first one up there. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so I mean, it was it was I'm glad that he had that impact on other people as well, even though they never actually met him in person, you know, for sure. So sure. no, that's great. It, yeah, you might, you might yeah. Actually, at one point in time, you, know, you might actually do something with those photos, maybe make something out of them or I don't know. Yeah, like, be a collage or something, you know, that you would hang on the wall something. I don't know. I yeah. Mean, I try to think of what you know, the different memories I have, especially I'm glad you did the photos because a lot of people don't think to do a lot of photos with Pets, yeah. whatever and then when they're gone it's like oh I got like three photos or you know that's yeah it's with um cell phones whatever you have no excuse so it's like take a picture even if they're crappy pictures take pictures. right yeah, to be able to look yeah back. you can take a picture of your dinner you can take a picture and I have a I have a girlfriend who's not a big fan of us taking pictures together which is I'm, she's beautiful I love her to death but I'm like we have to take the pictures we have to have the memories it's not the old days where we took our film down to the, you know, store and printed out and you made a photo album. Like, this is all we've got. We've got to take the pictures. We've got to have the memories, you know. And they're easier to file electronically. You have to. Every now and again, right. I'll, I'll try to look for an old photo. And I think it's got to be in, let's see, it's in that box marked this. It might be in right. that. <laughs> or I can sort by date on my phone or my computer. So it's like, well, this makes it so much easier. So, yeah, so much easier. So much easier. Anything so, else yeah. you want to share about Gus at all? Anything else that comes no. to mind that you didn't get a chance to share last time? No, I think I think that, that was just the thing that I kind of wanted to to talk about just because, like I said, I was so emotional last time. I don't think I could form very many words, but <laughs> no, no, it's it's all good. It's all good. I, I, yes. I, I like I said, these these pet interviews are really I mean, I wasn't a surprise to me, but I, I, I'm it really shows, you know, how many people really, truly you know, you grieve our pets. It's not like it's just a yeah. pet, it's a dog. It's when I when I was like, you know, I'm not I'm not listening to that anymore. Then don't get one. Yeah, people don't get one. But you know, <laughs> you don't yeah. Well, that and and for some that. people it is, but and it's not just it's not just exclusive to our domestic pets of dogs and cats. Oh, no. My sister has her heart horse that she lost a few years ago, and that was a tough one for yeah. her. I mean, she. I don't think she'll ever get over that one. I mean, that's just, that was her special. And she has another horse. It took her some time. The bond is not the same. Sometimes I think that there's just that one. Like you said, I've had dogs my whole life. My parents used to to breed basset hounds when I was a baby. And then we got into bigger dogs. And 
I've always had dogs and I've loved them all and I've mourned them all. But sometimes in your life, there's just that one that's just different. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's funny. I mean, for me, I can, I can put my finger on why my Lily was so much different for me. And it's because like I right. said, my son who was disabled, yeah. um, Lily just knew when she was with him that she couldn't roughhouse, right? She knew that because right. she was disabled, you know, he, I would put his, his hand on Lily's paw and she would just lay there and let him just put her yep. roughhouse with the other kids. And so, you know, all those memories are attached to her and, and absolutely and the family and all that. So I think that's part, but plus she was such an amazing dog. It's like, yeah. So anyway, those types of things, but it's like, you know, I, like I, I don't mean to put down other dogs that I've had and I've had dogs no. rescued, no. like I'm, from, I'm a big fan of old dog. Haven and I've taken in some old dogs where I'd only had them for a few months before they they passed. Yeah. I, they all still hold a place in my heart, but every yeah. now and then one that just attaches for some reason the strings yeah. are a little tighter, a little stronger. Um, yeah, whatever it is, cosmic, whatever it is, whatever you, whatever you believe in, there's something that's different. Old souls, for sure. For yeah, sure. yeah. So. All right. Well, Nina, yeah. thank you so much for coming back and sharing those with us. Um, yes, I really and I will. And I will send those Christmas cards so you can see them. <laughs> For this section is Jody, and Jody's going to talk about her dog Scooby. So, Jody, tell us a bit about Scooby and what what he was like, and what 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 you love about him. You bet. Um, and I'll and I'll start this story, <laughs> the story story of Scooby, with the fact that I didn't like dogs. <laughs> so, uh -huh. um, I grew up with as cats with cats all my life. Um, and then, you know, as my kids get to be eight, 10 years old, of course, they're wanting a dog. And we thought about a cat, but my son was allergic. So we're like, okay. And, and I kind of knew like, you know, they're old enough, but young enough that, that it'll probably be my responsibility, yeah. but this would be you know, a good opportunity for kids to learn how to take care of something. Um, and so we went online to petfinders.com and, and put in criteria and I knew the criteria that I could handle, which was a non-shedding um, small dog who likes children and is potty trained pretty much, right? There so we plug up this criteria into this website and up pops this little uh, black Yorkie named Scooby um, who was in another part of the state here in Washington. And this was uh, around December or so. And, um, and my kids were like, oh, this is meant to be mom. Like it's meant to be. so. My husband and I at the time were like, okay, well, let's do it. Um, and, and then the pass closed because of a snowstorm. And we couldn't get over the pass to get to the dog. So we waited. And then finally the pass opened. And it was only going to be open for a short time. And my son and, and husband got in the car. And they drove as fast as they could across the pass and picked up this dog, who we were told was um, good with kids, potty trained, you know, a good dog. Um, that was not the case. <laughs> but we got okay. So when we got him, they said he was eight pounds. When we got him, he was about four. Oh. Um, he, so he was a slightly malnourished. Um, had clearly had been abused, oh. um, and um, was and was scared of garbage bags, brooms, children, um, and and then hid his food all over our house. Like if if oh. he, if he had food, he hid it, I, and. What I'd heard was because there he was around other big dogs, he stole and ate all his food, which yeah. is probably the reason why he was so so skinny. Um, so at this point now, you, you know, I'm dealing with not just I have a dog, but I have a dog who is you know got special needs now. Yeah. <laughs> what to do with it? And two kids on top of that, yes, <laughs> kids. And my kids were a little hesitant because he bit my daughter. Um, to, you know, it wasn't like this magical bonding moment you're going to have with this animal. 
Um, and I think that was a little bit of a, of a disappointment for the kids. Um, but my philosophy was always, we adopted him and now, um, you know, we don't give a, we don't give a back. You don't give a kid back. You don't give an animal back, um, part of our family and we've got to figure out how to help him. And so with the help of vets and, uh, you know, research I could do, um, um, and, 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 you know, just letting the kids know it's just going to take time and we have to acclimate him to people and noises and things until he feels finally safe. Yeah. And loved, and I think honestly, because he was that kind of a dog, um, it almost made me bond with him deeper because yeah. I had empathy for his life. But also, right. I, he, I I just immediately knew he wasn't just this dog that oh happy doggy, you know, he was a dog that I really needed to um, spe- give special attention to, and um, and really, you know, try to help him with it with his issues. Um, and so I think, you know, so it, a lot of that was socialization. So mm. I took him everywhere with me, everywhere. I mean, I don't think that dog um, was without me, you know, except when I had to go to work. Um, and, um, and and so I think that bond also, um, you know, enhanced for, for Scooby and I. Um, and the kids loved him very much. And, and as, as, Bo- as Scooby got to the point where he was, you know, less afraid. It took about a year, honestly. Um, okay. And it would, it was great because um, he, he, I think he bit every kid in the neighborhood um, and some kids never got over it and were like scared of him. And other kids would just like keep walking down the street while he was attached to their pant leg and, <laughs> and act like or his, their shoe. And he'd be, and be, Scooby be like, and, and, and the kid would just keep walking. Yeah. Whatever your stupid dog's attached to me. Um, and so there was kind of this unique relationship of Scooby and all the neighborhood kids as well. Um, and, and of course the kids that ignore, ignored his behavior, um, he's, he befriended because they weren't afraid of him. It was the kids that were afraid of him that he continued to bully. Mm. Um, and, and I think got some joy out of that actually. <laughs> <laughs> he probably um, bullied himself. He's taking it back out. Right. He was taking it out on some of those kids. Um, but the funny thing was a, a good memory I have of, of him was he would go to all my daughter's softball games and soccer games and. And, you know, there'd be a lot of kids and they're running around and, 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 you know, there'd be little kids, even little siblings of Aaron's uh, friends that were on the team. And, and it got to the point a couple of years in where um, Scooby would, we'd get there and I'd unleash him and he'd walk straight into the dugout and, and, and hang out with all the girls in the dugout. And I, and I remember thinking that like the first couple of times he did it, who would have thought the day I brought him home and with all the fighting of all the kids, I never thought he'd ever get to the point where he'd be able to do that. Yeah. Right. And you could tell he loved the girls and he loved being in there with them. And, you know, he still had issues until the day he died. He still had issues. Like if someone tried to touch him or pet him while he was on my lap, it didn't matter who you were. He'd probably try to bite you. Yeah. Like there was there was some things like that where he was still he still carried a little bit of aggressiveness, but we got a lot of it out of him. And we got him to the point where he hid his food less and he would sleep with the kids and um and, um, you know, and, and we took him to South Dakota. Um, you know, like I said, we took him everywhere. So when we'd go visit my family twice a year, he'd get on the plane. He got a little carry under his seat, loved, loved car traveling. He'd go anywhere. As long as he was going, he was happy. And um, he'd get out to South Dakota and he'd chase the turkeys and the deer <laughs> and kick the dirt and, and act like he owned the place. And my parents have this cat, Lucky, and it's this black cat that it was literally like two, three sizes bigger than Scooby. And Scooby was like, yeah, sorry, my house now. 
<laughs> and oh, the cat and the dog just kind of like, okay, ignored each other. Um, he didn't bully the cat too much, but um, the cat at the same time knew like, okay, you're smaller than me, but um, you've got some spunk, so I'm going to go stay over here for a while. Yeah. Especially when she'd watch, uh, when you watch Bowie uh, or Scooby, um, you know, chase all the deer off the, off the back oh, of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So, a little bit of lower, actually a lot, a lot of love and a lot of patience. And he came around and, and I, I love to hear stories about rescues, especially when they didn't have a very good start getting with a family who just loves them and has the patience and, you know, just waits it through until they get to be as, as comfortable as they can be. And I, I, I know having had some abused rescues in my life too, that they, as you said, they don't always they're not always going to be normal, if you will, like a normal dog, you know, but some right. of that stuff, it's like all of us, you get trauma and, and right. sometimes it sits in your head and it's just, you know, but he obviously learned to trust um, and that knew you guys were, were going to be good to him. And that's, that's awesome. So right. how, how many years did Scooby live? Um, we had him for, I believe it was 12 years. So we adopted him when he was around five or so we weren't, they weren't really sure. Like all my dogs are rescues. And so they never know. They're like, yeah. well, it could be three, it could be five. Yeah, I look at their teeth and try to make make a wild guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, and so um, they thought he was four or five, and so he lived about twelve years or so with us. Um, you know, which was um, great. Um, you know, it's one of those things, right? Part of me thinks, you know, you know, like if you have a dog for a year, if you have a dog for fifteen years, I don't know which one's better. Like it's so painful, no matter what, when they go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always looked at it. I have so many wonderful memories of Scoob. Yeah. So when, when Scooby was gone, tell me about, you know, kind of how, how it was kind of getting used to life without Scooby. I mean, he goes with you everywhere except for work and everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. Well, uh, that, that was, you know, it was an interesting and, and, um, it was an interesting transition Scooby and I had. So when the kids went off to college, um, and the kids loved Scooby. And of course they see, they saw Scooby as theirs, but you know, they know they're going to go to college and the, kid, the dog stays home. Um, and, um, and I got divorced um, at that time and I moved at that time. And so Scooby, it was basically just me. So it was me and Scooby got divorced. Me and Scooby moved from yeah. our house in Sammamish, stole our house in Man and Scooby and I moved to Snoqualmie because the kids were at college. You know, my son was at Western, my daughter was at Wazoo. Um, and, and so, um, you know, it was, it was, it, I think it bonded him and I even closer together because yeah. it was me and him doing all yeah. this stuff together. Alone. A lot of changes, a lot of changes. Yeah. Right. And, um, and then I started a new job. So it was me and Scooby starting a new job. Um, and then my mom ended up getting uh, lung cancer and, um, and then she passed away the same, that, that year we moved out here and, um, you know, and it, and it was me and Scooby dealing with that because the kids, once again, are at college. Um, and, um, you know, and, and then, you know, Scooby, it was, yeah, I knew it was time. His, you know, they get to the point where their eyes are literally gray and they can't hear. You kind of know, but, they, but you know, they're not so bad that you're going to put them down. Um, um, but he wasn't feeling real great one day. So I took him into the vet. They kept him overnight. And then they called and said, hey you know, we, we, you need to get in here. So I got in there and when I got in there, he'd gone downhill fast. Um, and so there wasn't a lot of time to prepare the kids for this. Like, yeah. I mean, they knew cause they saw his eyes were great. They couldn't see him. They know their dogs, you know, whatever, 15 years old. Um, but it wasn't like, Hey, you know, kids, you know, here's the thing. So I'm having to make this decision to put the dog down without telling the kids. Yeah. Right. 
um, it just happened so quickly. Um, I can't even tell you what an amazing vet and vet tech I had that day. That makes um, such a difference. And those people are like superhuman angels to me um, because, you know, you know, you know, totally let it be my decision. Talked about, hey, I'll, I'll drive with you home to your house if you want to put him home, if you want to put him down there. Um, we, we'll do whatever because I Scooby, like most animals, I think hates the vet. Yeah. Um, and, and he says, or you can go across the street to this park. It was a beautiful sunny day. Um, and he said, you could, and he, and then he was like, you can stay out there as long as you want. And so I took Scooby out there and, and he and I spent several hours outside in the sunshine and the grass. Um, and I had the opportunity to, you know, you know, to tell him how much I loved him and, and we and share memories with him of, of all the great things that he contributed to, to my life. And especially honestly, for getting me through such a tough period of my life, going through the divorce, launching my kids, the loss right. of my mom, starting new jobs. Um, and so you know, I was just so full of gratitude um, and love for him that it made it somewhat easier, I think, to let him go. Yeah. Um, and um, and then the vet came out after a couple hours um, and, you know, we put him down there in the sunshine and the grass. Um, and, you know, I, the, the magnitude of grief I had is unbelievable. <laughs> um, and, you know, to the point where when I picked him up, I couldn't let him go. Right. I, I, you know, like they're like, yeah, hey, you got to get a dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I couldn't let him go. And this vet tech, this girl who I swear to God was crying as hard as I was, um, said to me, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to hug you really tight. And I'm going to then grab Scooby and then I'm going to hold him and I'm going to hold him tight all the way and I'm never going to let him go. Um, and, and that, if it wasn't for her saying that, I don't know if I could have let him go it was just it was it was hard enough to know that he was dead in my arms it was even harder yeah. to let him let him physically leave my life right yeah. um especially because i wasn't prepared for this i did this was not the day i was putting my dog down i kind of thought i'll i'll have time to prepare for this yeah, yeah. kids for this um but it just kind of happened um and then you stand there in a parking lot um going now what now what do I do right I, I was lucky at the time I had a boyfriend and he came and and we drove out to my house um and you know from that day on for months walking into the house without him um especially when you live alone yeah. I think it's even harder um because um you know I, I, um I didn't want to put his food bowls away didn't, want yeah. to put, didn't put his water bowls away I didn't put his bed away I didn't put his toys away and, and months went by and, and, and friends, family would come over and say, Hey, you know, you got to put this stuff away. You should put the stuff away. And I'm like, don't touch, don't touch it. <laughs> right. And I just wasn't ready. Right. right? Um, and sometimes I think I'd see him out of the corner of my eye or, or mm-hmm. hear him like you think you'd hear him or something. Um, but it was just, it took a long time, you know, to get to the point where, you know, I could put his things away. Yeah. Right. Um, and I remember go picking him up at the vet and they got they had him in a box with his name on the box. Um, and I brought him home and, and I put him in his bed, the bed that still sat where it was supposed to sit. Yeah. Um, and he sat there for months. Um, right. Until I was ready to finally get rid of the bed. Right. Um, and a lot of that then and, and it was hard calling the kids, I'll be honest with you, and telling them um, I knew my daughter was going to be. Freaking devastated, devastated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my son is a little, I mean, he's going to be sad, but he's more practical and, yeah. and understood, I think. And, 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 you know, and my daughter was devastated. Um, it was hard on both the kids. Um, so much so that Aaron was the one, my daughter was the one that really kept pushing for another dog. 
Oh, and okay. I kept saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Like the amount of grief that was, you know, something like, you know, you're super grateful that you love something so much that you can experience such grief. But at the same time, like, you're like, ah, oh, many more times I can do this. I know, I know. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also missing, especially living alone and the kids won't go back to college. Like I'm missing something to come home to. And yeah. I found myself honestly working till seven and eight at night because mm. I didn't want to go home. Yeah. Like what was the point of going home? Um, and, um, and so we got to be around December again. And my daughter said to me, I think it's time. And so we did the same thing. We went on petfinders.com, plugged in the same criteria and pop up comes up this new dog buoy. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I just thought, you know, cause I, I kind of, honestly, I'd looked a couple times prior to this and there was nothing right. No dog came up that, you know, felt right or looked right. And I didn't, I knew I didn't want a big dog in a small town home and that wasn't fair to him. And, and, um, and so, you know, I was like, I just, you know, and so when Bowie popped up, I thought, and I'm sitting there with my daughter when he popped up, I thought, okay, maybe it is time, you know? And so I put through the paperwork and went through the process and um, got accepted. And at that point then I thought, you know, okay, it's meant to be. So I meant to have another dog. Um, and, 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 and I realized too, I think I was emotionally okay enough at that point had grieved, had started grieving my mom enough, started grieving Scooby enough, um, that felt like, I think I could let, let this back into my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, there are days where sometimes I think, oh Lord, <laughs> what have I done? Yeah. Um, because the interesting thing for me and I, which is twofold. Cause I've never been a two dog person. Like you've had multiple dogs. Mm. So a, it's like, like, can I love him as much as I love Scooby? First mm. question mm -hmm. Two, will he be the same as Scooby? Like, right. Like personality. Cause I got the exact same kind of dog, a Yorkie. He's a different color, but still a Yorkie. Um, and so a, a lot of these questions came up. So when I got him and realized, okay, this dog's personality is nothing like my other dog's personality. Um, and, and realized, okay, it's, it's, I can love them completely separately. And, and it is like the Grinch, your heart just grows bigger yeah. um, and, and you make more room to love this other animal. And, and Bowie had his own issues. He wasn't as, as abused or whatever. I don't think that was his situation, but he did have his quirks and some of his things, um, um, you know, but, and the funny thing with him is that Scooby was his kind of his own dog. Like he didn't, he wasn't a lap dog for a small dog. He, you know, he wanted his space. He wanted his bed. Bowie, on the other hand, my new dog, um, I've never seen a more affectionate dog in my whole life. Like um, I kind of made Scooby attached to me. Mm -hmm. Bowie, on the other hand, just wants to be attached to me, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I bought him beds. He won't sleep in a bed. He, he wants to sleep in a bed with me. <laughs> and, and it's funny because everybody says he always needs to be touching you. And and right now he's on my lap. He does <laughs> always need to be touching me, right? It's really kind of, where Scooby could do his own thing. He could yeah, go take yeah. a nap. He'd go up, yeah. you know, he'd do his own thing. He he had a little bit more independence in this dog. Yeah, I I think a lot of times I I hear people say, you know, um, the dog like you made the comment, this isn't going to be the same dog, or is this dog a replacement, and so on. I think we all are going to outlive our, our pets. You know, they don't live as long right. as humans do. Um, and so, you know, to say, I'm, I, you know, I'm never going to have room for another dog again is, is, you know, to me, having had dogs all of my life and, and usually more than one of the time is kind of like, wait, what? Um, 
but yeah, I get the whole waiting for a, a while, you know, and I get the whole not wanting to put stuff away for a while because you weren't, you know, it's like any type of grief. You, you grieve in your own way, in your own time, on your own timetable. And when you're ready, you know, you're ready and, um, and did not feel guilty that, you know, you've got a new dog that you adore, but, you know, right. he was a wonderful part of your life and brought you so much joy um, and you to him. Right. And I'm, I mean, I'm especially, you know, knowing what you've talked about him, his life before you came into his life. I just, I just, my heart breaks for that. And just so happy he found a good family. So, yeah. Now, Thank another you. thing I, I know about you is that you, uh, you got a top tattoo of Scooby's paw print, didn't you? I do. I yeah. do. Yeah. yeah I, that was pretty awesome. Um, so, um, that was actually a, 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 a boss of mine. Yeah. He and I night went out. He was a huge dog lover and yeah. and um and and it wasn't planned. We were just out together um, with some other coworkers and um and he's he'd been talking about getting a paw print on his forearm. And I was like, gosh, yeah, I I'd, I'd really like to get a paw print of Scooby. Um and he's like, Well, let's go do it. And so we walked down and and both of us got a paw print and God bless him that you know he wouldn't let me pay for it. He paid for it. He was oh. like, you know, he was like, I'm going to pay for that. I'm going to pay for you and I to have this. Yeah. Um, that was, and, and that was special for me that, you know, some people thought I was crazy um, for doing it and, and not thinking it through or whatever. Um, I never regretted a moment of it. Um, so one, one thing I did do want to ask you though, is um, if you, if someone was listening to this, this episode and they haven't experienced pet loss and they've got, you know, a, a neighbor or a family member who's, you know, recently lost their dog or their cat or their ferret, whatever. And they're thinking, you know, it's just a pet or whatever. I mean, what what advice would you give them to how would to interact with that person who's lost right. someone in their life? I would I would tell them don't assume it was just a pet. Assume yeah. their kid just died. Yeah. I mean, it it is it is. It, I mean, I haven't lost a kid yet, so I don't know the pain of that, and I w I won't try to know it. But I can tell you that the amount of grief I had losing Scooby, yeah. uh, it, it you know he was such an important person in my life yeah um and, and and while he was alive like you know and I knew it too like I knew I knew how much he meant to me I, I knew he was my buddy I knew he that you know I remember thinking at times like I don't know how I'm going to get divorced without you I don't know how I'm going to make this move without you yeah um, I don't know how I'm going to bury my mom without you like I just there there was such comfort that he provided um, and I think that's what people need to understand. Like what, what potentially could this pet have meant to this person? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and if you can understand that, then, then you don't see it as just a dog or just right. a cat, right, but you right. see the impact that what that, that living being had on your life. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, and then I think you have a greater sense of empathy towards the loss. And for me, I, I will say I had a ton of friends who sent me um, flowers and gifts and cards and um, about pet loss and all that um, and super appreciated that. But what I, pre you know, the acknowledgement, I think the acknowledgement that Scooby was gone helped me with my grief. I love that. But I also, um, I, I also still wanted to talk about him. Right. And, and so I think another thing would be to just um, don't be afraid to bring him up, you know, yeah. like, so if I run into friends who I haven't seen in a while, but they knew Scooby through my whole life and yeah. whatever. I want them to go, oh my gosh, remember Scooby and remember how he bit all, all the kids or remember when you took him to everywhere and he was attached at your hip. Like, that's not going to make me sad. That's going to make me laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, the, memories, the good memories. Yeah. So that's what I would say is, you know, just like any loss, don't be afraid to talk about it. Mm -hmm. 
acknowledge it um, and even ask questions about it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. how are you doing it with the loss of Scooby? Like mm -hmm. that's okay too. And I, and, and be okay for the answer to be like, I'm yep. not doing great. Yeah, exactly. Be ready, be ready for that answer. Cause it may not be easy. I'm not doing great some yeah. days. Right. Yeah. Um, and especially I think for those that have lost a pet, you know, to, you know, for me, you know, like I, I did get advice from a friend who'd lost a pet um, and they journaled about it. Yeah. And, and I'm not a big journaler, um, but I did start journaling about it and it did help. Yeah. It really did help. And so if they had maybe a trick or something up their sleeve that worked for them a little bit, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they not. I mean, because I, I didn't want people to feel like, oh, here's my how I got there is a. Yeah. Know? For me, you know, and she said it in a kind way that was kind of like, it just kind of helped me. So I don't know, it might help you. Yeah. Um, how blessed are we to have animals? Yes, very, very. Jody, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate chatting with you and hearing about Scooby. And as you know, we're going to have Scooby's yep. picture up on the, on the screen while we're talking so people can see how adorable he was. Yeah, thank you. Okay, yes, thank you so much for listening today. My guest tonight is Lisa. She's going to talk to us about pets, some experiences she's had with pets as we do this episode on pet loss and grief. So Lisa, tell us a little bit about, you know, the pets that you've had in your life. I know you you take in some older dogs or some sick dogs. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, we right now we have eight dogs in the house. Um, yeah, <laughs> but only four of them are really 100% ours. Um, one of them is a, a forever foster kind of situation. Um, and then the other three are with us temporarily as their owner is um, going through a moving process, going back to Michigan, that sort of thing. So, you know, buying the house and getting everything settled, it's just hard. Um, one of them has uh, diabetes and he's insulin dependent. So it's particularly important that he has a very stable situation until he can be into that place. But um, yeah, I grew up with, uh, with dogs and, and a cat too. I was about five when I had a cat and we found out I was allergic and I had such a hissy fit that my parents said, forget it, let her keep it. I don't care if she stops breathing. So <laughs> um, I don't know how bad the hissy fit was, but I'm thinking it was probably pretty bad. Um, but my 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 grandmother was a dog person and uh, raised uh, a bunch of dog people. And it we always had really almost more love for the dogs than anyone else. Um, the reason that, that we tend to love our dogs so much is that the expectations are different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that's, and I think that's true for, for a lot of people. Um, a friend of mine, I have, I'm a little, I have a little pet group, um, circle of friends. Uh, we do a lot of online chatting, that kind of thing. And one of them said to me when one of her dogs passed away, she said, is it awful that I miss, I'm, I'm, I'm more upset and sad about my dog passing than my mother passing. Mm -hmm. Her mother had passed a couple of years before. And I said, absolutely not. Mm -mm. Absolutely not. Because as a pet owner, you have the authority and, in fact, the responsibility to make sure that when it is time for your dog to cross the Rainbow Bridge, to go to the next adventure, to to enter in that new dimension of, of, of existence, right? that you do that. You do that with compassion. You do that with with um, an appropriate time and that you um, and you ease that dog into that situation. That yeah. is your responsibility. Yeah. With your with parents, with human beings, we are as a society we're forced to let them suffer yes and and die in slow and horrible ways yeah. and, and and it's 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 horrible that's one thing and the other thing is there is a different level of 
of interaction between your you and your dog and you and your mom. There's always going to be more drama and and more conflict with another human being, especially one who raised you, mm-hmm. than there ever will be with a dog, than there ever will be with a cat. Because it's just it's just really impossible for two human beings to exist in the same sphere and not have some degree of of disagreement. You yeah. know, with your animals, it's a different thing. There's 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 less expectation from the animal. And there's less disappointment. I I mean, yeah. I oh, sure I'm disappointed in my dogs. Absolutely. When I refuse to give them human food, they're like, what? What, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But I never I never feel like I am completely the bad guy no. with my dogs. My first the first dog I, I think I technically was mine actually belonged to an aunt and uncle, and I would take him on weekends because I couldn't officially have a dog in the, the house I was renting, um, but I, I I really loved loved being around him, and I I loved having him. And he was also the family breed, which is a wire hair fox terrier, mm-hmm. spawn of Satan. I mean, I I love them, but unless you're used to them, don't get one, um, <laughs> uh, or you're, you you work up to them. They're not they're not starter dogs. Right. But right. Um, I'd grown up with them, so Barkley was really. I mean, he was he was a delight. And he came to me on weekends. And then when my aunt and uncle decided that they were going to sell their house after my uncle retired and drive across the country, they said, Fisher Cup 8, you know, you got to take the dog or we're going to find another home for him. So I, I, you know, talked to my landlady and I took him and, and, and I, you know, he was, he was, he was such a goofball and he was so much fun. And, um, and I, I just, that, that was my first, my dog. Right. You know, and it was it was really great. Um, I had the first puppy I had in 33 years came into my life um, back. It was it was 2007, and Tuppence Marie was um, was my wire fox terrier that I had gotten that I had I planned to go to a particular breeder here in Western Washington, and my mother, the cheapest woman alive, said, "Oh, that's too much to spend on a." dog that's ridiculous and so she found me a, a a dog for a better price because she's the cheapest woman alive and Tuppence Marie came with her own health problems but she was my girl she was really my girl and um you know I had her for 13 and a half years and you know she was just such a little nut bar one of my favorite videos that I made because I have videos on, on YouTube and, and cause it's, I'm a terrible photographer, but I can make a, a fairly decent video and I can send them out to my friends and they can, people can actually see what it is. If I send out a picture, people will look at it and say, is that your thumb? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, that's my thumb. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite videos I, I took of Tubbins Marie and a sprinkler and um, she hated baths. And she hated being sprayed with the squirt bottle. That was her, you know, the, the big punishment in, my, in our house is the being squirted with the with the water. But she loved to swim and she loved sprinklers. <laughs> I found that out. I was out sitting in the grass and I was weeding in the garden and, you know, pulling up some things. And all of a sudden I was being sprayed with water because she had picked up the sprinkler from another area of the lawn and brought it to me. <laughs> <laughs> both enjoyed and, the sprinkler. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So she, but she was hilarious. And, and she, I remember I, well, this video, I, 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 I picked up the sprinkler. So she knew something was going to happen. And she, you know, I set it down and she's running and she ran over to where, where the faucet was. And she stood at the faucet, looking at the faucet, looking at me, looking at the faucet, looking at me. 
<laughs> it's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. So I went over. I turned it on, and then she went racing out to the to the sprinkler and um, attacked the sprinkler and tossed it around. Ate the water. Completely drenched. And you know, I let her go for a few minutes. But turned she it was, off. She was having and a good time. Yeah, she had a blast. And she was freezing cold and shaking, you know, because it, it's the Pacific Northwest and yes, never yes. really that hot. And so just soaking wet and she's just, but she wants me to turn it back. <laughs> no, you're soaking wet and you're cold. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love those. I love those. When you, when the dog, you know, doesn't, they can't speak, but they can certainly communicate with you and let you know what it is they want. Right. It's like, I want that. Absolutely. Yes, I, I want that. I have a yeah. girl that loves to be in the water as well, which is very golden retrieverish. We have, yeah. this, we have this big silver bucket out in the yard that we fill with water in the summertime and she lays in it. She just lays in it. She's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good right here. I'm in the lane of the water, you know, all good. <laughs> thing. And she'll look at it sometimes like, is that going to get water in it or not? You know, it's like, okay, but <laughs> yeah. all yours. Exactly. It's, it's, yours. it's 45 degrees outside. We're not filling it with water for you. I'm sorry, <laughs> but come on. Yes. <laughs> so um, you said you had it for 13 years so i'm um, guessing that means she's not with you anymore actually i know that because i see you on facebook but um yeah. OCD. yeah yeah but so when the time comes i mean you and i were talking about this before i started recording about you know recognizing when the time comes and and yeah. being respectful of that and you know doing yeah. what's right for our dogs which may not feel like it's right for us um no. you know you want to keep them forever and sometimes they're yeah. just it's just not compatible so how does that, I mean, you've done this a few times, but I mean, kind of like, how do you get to that spot where you recognize it and then you can act on it and know that you know, the dog's going to, as you said, cross that rainbow bridge, but I believe there are always still little pieces of them in my heart. I, I really firmly believe that, um, oh, yeah. but then, you, you know, you grieve their loss. So kind of, kind of take us through that a bit. Well, I think a lot of it is the connection you have with the dog. And I think that in, in, in conjunction with that, there is the conversation that you maintain with your veterinary care team. Yeah, yeah. Um, my 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 girl between Barkley and Tuppets Marie was Dixie Marie, and um, she uh, I didn't I didn't recognize it, and I didn't have um, a tie with the with the care team at the time, and um, uh, she died by herself and in pain, hmm. and I will never forgive myself for that. Yeah. Um, so I may go a little overboard with veterinary care now. Um, and, uh, and I'm far more aware of that because I know that happened. I, I knew that she was uncomfortable. I had an appointment for the, for the vets. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how bad it was. And now I'm much more sensitive to that because of that experience. Right. And I, I hate that Dixie had to be the one to teach me that, but that I think was part of the reason why Dixie and I came together. Yeah. Yeah. So it was purpose there. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, you know, with Tuppence Marie, um, she, uh, she was a challenge health wise her entire life. Um, she was really a bargain dog. I, you know, we got what we paid for on that one. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she had hip surgery before she was a year old. Mm. Um, she had the head of her femur removed and she had a floating joint in her hip. Um, she had to do um, water therapy after that because she she's a terrier. She was a terrier. She refused to use the leg. She was right. just as fast on three without having to bother with that thing. So the muscles deteriorated in the hip and it became more and more impacted. So um, 
she she was really that she had skin problems she had uh she was prone to yeast infections she i mean there were you know there were all these things she uh had eye surgery um uh, cataracts taken out of her eyes and unfortunately that didn't last very long because cholesterol collected in her eyes so she had an ongoing thing and i i used to say to her you better live to be like 20 because of the money i'm putting into <laughs> you owe me <laughs> you owe me exactly i'm telling you right now <laughs> and she you know she flipped me the paw and whatever you know because <laughs> that's who she was as a dog and um and i i rec i mean i knew there was something going on and it turned out really that there was something going on for a while the thing about dogs and this is something that i have to remember that no matter how little and cute and fluffy they are no matter how much they're your babies your lap dogs whatever dogs in their dna are predators hmm and predators, when they're injured, if they show weakness, can uh -huh. become prey. Yeah, yeah. Dogs are inclined to be stoic. Uh, that's a good point, yeah. And it's really hard to catch all of the things. Yeah. Um, one of the dogs in my house right now, the one who's kind of the foster, she has two forms of, of cancer right now. Mm. She has a form of leukemia she's had for a couple of years that she's kind of like, what are you going to do about it? I'm fine. So, and just recently, um, palpable masses were found in her bladder that were confirmed with ultrasound. Mm. Um, she's also 14. And she's the breed she is does not often live this long, much less past it. And we know that every day with her is a gift. And what we have with her is a constant awareness of where she is, how she is, and what we're doing for her. Because right. at this point, especially at 14, there's going to be nothing done dramatically to, to make her life better. Right. When Tuppence Marie had a little bit of fussiness with her food about six months before she passed away, I went and tried different types of food and got her back to eating. When it turned out that, that she had, that I found out that she had liver cancer, it made sense why that was and it, liver cancer to the point that she her her belly at when i from the time i dropped her off at the vets the time they called me back in because they said just go home we, we're going to get to her everything you know we'd like to double check some things so we lived at the vets when diamond vet did their um did their renovation we were a little bit sad that they didn't name one of the suites after us so, <laughs> I, love with all, I use that yeah. for years until i moved out of town so yes yeah you know, and, and I just, you know, I, I, I just really felt, you know, that, that she was going to be with me a lot longer. So I think that I, it didn't occur to me that it would be something life-threatening when I went down, because as soon as they said, we found a mass and it wasn't on the spleen, it was on the liver and I, that's it. We're done. Yeah. We're done because it's, it's, she's in, she's in discomfort now. And if she will tell me she's in discomfort, that is huge. That's yeah. the equivalent to my screaming in pain. So I went down there and she came in and she kind of walked and then turned her back to me and leaned against me. You know, the, the, the trust move that the dogs will show you that they are willing to be, to, to be, to, to be their back to you. Mm -hmm. and um and i felt her belly and i could see that it was already starting to swell a little bit and and i i mean i knew mm -hmm. and it was horrible and 
all of my coworkers and bosses always, always, always knew that when anything was going on with my dogs, I would try to give them as much of a heads up as possible, but I would not be in, period. And I'm somebody who would drag her oxygen tent to work. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, that, you could say a lot of things about me in the workplace, but reliable, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was going to be there. If I was scheduled, I was there. If somebody else called in, you could probably call me and I'd come in. I take ownership for that. But if it's one of my dogs, there will be no discussion. And if I had had a boss that said, it's just a dog. Mm-hmm. It would not have gone well for that boss. Yeah. And every boss I've ever had has known that about me, that, you know, there are certain, there are certain things that you, that you don't want to push Lisa Marie on, mm-hmm. but the dogs absolutely yeah. top of the list. If it's my dog, it's not up for discussion. And yeah. if it's, if it comes down to this job or that dog, you have lost your very reliable employee. Yeah. Period. Because your job can be and, the pet, the pet, you know, if the pet is sick and it's not going to be, you know, longer, the pet needs you more than your job does. I mean, that's yeah. how I look at it, you know? Yeah. So did you take Tuppence Marie home that day or did, did she not come home? She didn't come home. No, I went to her and I held her and, um, you know, that was, that was that. And I would not have put her through any sort of, uh, sort of heroic treatment. Um, with Nala, Nala was our beagle pug mix who belonged to a friend. Her life circumstances had changed and Nala was alone for 12, 15 hours out of every day. So she ended up coming to us. Um, she got us like a little sausage and we got her down to a good weight and we were living a great life. And she got a little bit kind of peaky again. She just wasn't as, as bouncy as she was. And at the time we had Tuppence Marie, we had Bailey and, and we had Nala. Um, uh, yeah, Maddie had, had passed away, unfortunately, already. And I really feel like, like the dogs got together and said, we got to get them to get Nala to the vet sooner. Because she just wasn't perky. Right. And right. Bailey went underneath Jennifer's bed. Bailey, the beagle, was her dog. And he peed a lake. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, that was not a common thing for Bailey. So first thing we do in that situation, we say, okay, is there a biological reason for it? Right. So we we went in to the ER, we did the check, get him checked for a UTI. And we had Nala with us just to check her weight. We had an appointment for later in the week, that kind of thing. And I wanted to wait until my vet was in. And this is where I failed on this one is that I should have trusted my veterinary team yeah. because at the, at the time I, everybody knew us, all the, all the vet techs knew us. And in fact, our favorite vet tech was there, was the person who actually caught it because she, Nala was just sitting on, on her lap. And when we would go in, Nala was just all, Hey everybody. And I didn't want to go into a vet who didn't know her and say, look, the problem is she's just not as energetic and cheerful and stuff like that as she's doing. Hey everybody. Because they would have thought, no, oh, yeah, you're insane lady. <laughs> and 
and I should have trusted that they knew me and they knew my dogs well enough to, to, to know that if I said that this is a problem, it needed to be checked out. But I remember Jackie walking over and lifting Nala's lip and pressing on her gum and saying, Excuse me, I'll be right back and shot out of that room and came back with the vet. Nala's crit was about 11. Her hematocrit was about 11. She had no red blood, red cells, red mm -hmm. blood cells left. Um, and she had immune, immune hemolytic anemia, um, immune mediated hemolytic anemia. Eh. And um, we went through blood transfusions with her because she was only eight. Right. And we did, we did three separate transfusions. The last transfusion, Jennifer and I said, this is, we got to let her body decide at this point. And she gave us that extra three and a half months and, and she was done. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when you and I started talking before we were recording, we were talking about how, you know, we outlive our pets and we know when we get a pet that we're, unless it's a parrot or something's going to live 70 years, we're, we're, we're going to survive that pet. We're going to, we're going to be with that pet and that pet's going to decline over time and be yeah. older and we're going to have to experience their, their loss. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I have definitely experienced losses with animals that I, yeah, very, very painful um, at the time. But like you, you know, I, I like to think, you know, you're listening to and watching for those signs when they tell you it's it's time. Um, and I, I know people who keep their animals alive with treatment for longer than I personally would. But I also would say that that is, you know, a personal thing. If, if you know, if you feel like that the animal is, you know, still okay. And then that's you, you know, I mean, I can't make that yeah. just for you. Um, yeah. but I also think, especially, you know, with your story, you, you have had a lot of dogs. So, you know, does it ever occur to you, boy, you know, these losses are, um, are not worth it. Maybe I shouldn't have dogs anymore because the pain of grief is just, is just so overpowering. And I, you know, how, how do you, how do you reconcile that? Well, it's, it's really, it's, it's a cost benefit ratio, isn't it? It always is. And I remember when I came in and I found, and I found Dixie Marie and I had, I had, you know, I would say I had, I had 30 seconds, I, you know, it was, it was probably a few minutes of, of, uh, this is horrible. And I, I am hurting so much and I can never go through this again. I can never, ever put myself through this again. And I thought to myself, because the voice of sanity in my head isn't always the loudest voice <laughs> but yeah. that that voice spoke up immediately and said what does that say about dixie what does that say about what she brought to you yeah really is she not enough and for me that was really that was really a hard hard moment of recognizing that this will always be painful and it will always be tragic and I will always be devastated. And it doesn't matter. Because everything that I am given from each of these dogs mm -hmm. is so much greater than yeah. anything that yeah. I experience by helping them cross in a gentle, loving way. Yeah, no, I completely, so, I totally, completely agree with you on that. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I would like to know, you know, if someone was listening to this episode and... Um, they've recently experienced a loss of a pet, you know, and they're really quite upset and devastated about it. I mean, what what kind of things do you do that kind of get you from that really raw grief to, you know, I can I can 
remember that pet with fondness and love, but my life is still going. I have this other pet or whatever that might be. I think first and foremost with this is we accept that the grief is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't go to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right there, that is, that's huge. If I don't go to work, that's, that's big for me. So if I'm telling you I'm not available for work, period, I, I, I don't care if the place is burning down. Yeah. Don't call me. Right. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not available. So that's the first thing for me. Um, the other thing is, um, we know that we're, we're going to be sad. We're going to be sad. Um, and you know, I mean, it's been, it's been five and a half years since Nala passed. It's yeah. been, um, 17 years since Dixie died. It's uh, been 15 years since my little cockatiel, uh, Lily Marie passed away. Um, my heart girl, my Tuppence Marie, um, was it, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it's coming up on, on four years. Mm. Um, the grief is, I, I think the thing too, is that the grief doesn't completely go away ever. Right. I think it changes clothes. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. it looks a little different in your life. And, you know, you also just set a place for it at the table. Yeah. You know, at, at a certain point, because it's, it's, it's there and it, and it is, and it's part of what makes you who you are. And it, it helps craft the next relationship as you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 the reality of it. I yeah. don't think it's a reasonable expect expectation to say that you you'll just get over it one day. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. No, my mother's first dog, remember the cheapest woman alive. <laughs> my mother got her first dog when my brother was two. My mother and my father married a year later. They had their first child. My brother, um, my dad was in the air force. And they were stationed in Ipswich, England. And my mother got a French poodle. My mother, who could squeeze a nickel until the buffalo screams for mercy, <laughs> spent as much as she would as a, on a month's rent on that dog. Yeah. And Ricky was the best dog in the world. And yeah. um, I'm certain that no dog I will ever have, no matter how much I love that dog will ever be as good as a dog as Ricky was. Ricky yeah. lived to be 18. Uh, my mother tried three times to get into the vet. Finally, my brother had to go with her. And um, and to this day, has blocked out the actual day of it happening. Mm. Um, and is still devastated. Yeah. I was 15 years old when that happened. It was 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. To this day. I mean, you know, this, this dog was, was her heart dog, period. And although we love all of our dogs, right? Ricky was her really special connection dog. Yeah. It's just part of our lives. Yeah. That grief. It's, it's, 
going to be, it's going to be there. And as awful as it sounds to live with the grief all the time, it's part of the process of being human, I think, and having that love. Yeah, I would, I would, I mean, liken it to just about any grief episode. I mean, grief over time doesn't go away. It does change. I like your analogy of it changing clothes. Um, it does change. And and yet um, I call them pockets of grief where things come back to you, you know, maybe the, 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 the animal's birthday or um, someplace you used to go that was special. And now you're, you, you know, he's, he or she's not there with you anymore. Those kinds of things. Yeah. And, um, and those, those memories, I mean, like I said, with any, when it's any grieving memories, it used to be kind of painful um, at times are, 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 they bring me joy now, right? I can think about yeah. times when I took a dog to the beach and he or she ran into the water or, you know, yeah. you're still with the sprinkler. I mean, I, I would imagine every time you think a sprinkler going that reminds you of Tuppence Marie, because it would mean, right? It's going to mean, it's going to remind me and I never met the dog. So it's like, yeah. you know, those types of things was like, we take from it the gift that they've given us, you know, which yeah. I've, seen, I've seen people say, especially about, you know, dogs or animals, you know, um, you, they might be a part of your life, but you're all for their, you are their entire life. And I think that's, yeah. um, that, that responsibility and that, um, you know, knowledge that they, they love us unconditionally is, is so powerful. It's like, like I mentioned before we started recording, but coming home from a half hour away and my dogs act like I have been gone for years. It's like, they're so excited to see me. <laughs> yeah. I went to the mailbox or whatever it might be. So yeah. yeah, I think I think for me, I would say that you know, grief is it's it's worth it. It's worth it. The grieving experience, even though it's so painful, it's it's worth it because of the gifts you're given. Even in the case of like the dog we had for only six months, um, the gifts he taught us about yeah. how to respect a dog at the end of its life when its owners took it to the shelter, a kill shelter, and didn't didn't want to deal with health problems anymore. I mean, um, we gave that dog six months of absolute wonderful life. And, yeah. I, and I feel really good about that. So, um, yeah, but I, but I miss him. I have his paw print upstairs and, and so on. So kind of, I, I again, I, I think for, because again, our pets, we don't, we outlive our pets. And so we're going to go through it. It's not like, you know, losing your parents, or your grandparents, when they get older, it's like, you know, we expect no. that's but the if, natural order of things. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. And we, we know and accept that, but when we tend to view our dogs almost Almost in the same way we would view a child. Yeah. Um, that, you know, for some of us, I mean, I have no human children. Yeah. I only have dogs. Um, for me, this is as close as I get. And, you know, I'll, that's. I'll even, I'll even go you one further than that because I do uh -huh. have human children. Because uh -huh. the dog, it's, it's interaction with you is, as we were talking about earlier, is so, you know, it's limited to where, you know, they don't talk back to you or get angry with you or whatever it might be, right? They're very forgiving. Whereas humans aren't, right? My children have all done things that have frustrated me, that have made me go, oh, Whereas, sure. you know, but, you know, but with the you dog, alone. Yeah. it's like the <laughs> dog, the, the, it's like, it's almost like having a, um, a handicapped child where they only have a limited uh, understanding. That's how I would yeah. reference the dog where it's like, they don't, they don't get hard day at work. They don't get stress over finances. They just don't get, all they know is that you're not happy or you're upset and they sense that and they want to love you. They want to take care of you. How do I, how do I make her feel better? Right. Whereas right. human children, sometimes a little harder to love. And I, if any of my kids are listening to this episode, there's an inherent the, children, children have to be to a certain level, selfish. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. 
yeah. point, they are truly the center of everyone's world because that's how you keep the human alive. Right. You know, right. humans don't come out ready to take care of themselves. Right. So there, there's a selfishness that comes with the humans that you don't find in dogs. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because even exactly. when they're babies, they're not, they're not trying to do anything that that's me, me, me. They're, they're trying to just figure out the world and, and, and be loved and, and loved back. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little different thing. It's a little different expectation. It, it's very different, but just like, a, like I said, ha having both human and, and for, for, for babies, I can tell you there's, there is a difference. Um, and sometimes the dogs come out <laughs> further because they have, they don't have many expectations of me. I mean, they want to be oh, fed Ricky, day. They want their water. Yeah, Ricky was my mom's favorite child. Yeah. Ricky no. was my mom's favorite child. I, I mean, we, we all know that there was no question in anybody's mind. You know, yeah. my grandmother once made a comment. Um, if it comes down, my mom's name is Esther. My, my, my grandmother said, if it's between Esther and the dog, well, Esther will have to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I come from a long line of dog freaks. And because yeah. uh, yeah. there are dog people, there are non-dog people, and then there are dog freaks. And I'm in that last group. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would put myself there, too. I, I, I've only met a couple of dogs in my life that I really didn't care for. And, uh -huh. and usually it was because of something, a personality thing, whatever it might be. But um, most dogs, especially for me, older dogs, this last weekend when I was visiting my son in Arizona, there was a dog in this restaurant, with a very dog-friendly restaurant. Uh, he was very gray and he was missing oh. one of his back legs. And he oh. was clearly quite an elderly dog. But I just was like, oh, I want to see that dog. He's so amazing. And so, and, and th so that that's where I'm like, oh, the older ones, when they get older and so on, they're just so amazing they've had amazing lives and 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 they deserve you know everything wonderful they can get because they've given that to us so they really have they, have. they really have yeah you know i mean the thing is that you got to figure out again with the whole the whole cost benefit ratio thing is is you know what what do you put the price on right right you know do you put the price on the dog or do you put the price on yourself I mean, their whole lives, they've given up themselves. Yeah. yeah. And this is the price. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, they don't, they don't have any ulterior motives or uh -huh. other aspirations. They just want to nope. be with their humans. You know, it's, yeah. Well, it's most of them. I mean, I've, I've had a couple of really, really naughty ones, but you know, <laughs> again, I, I knew going in, it's the breed. I, you know, they're, they're. <laughs> This is this is who they are. Tuppence Marie, like I said, she she had her own attitude. She flipped the paw. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean Alistair, my wire fox terrier now, he um, you know, pe people will ask about they asked about Tuppence and one of my friends asked about Tuppence and it's true with Alistair too, did, you know, about how she she had done some peeing in the house and and my friend said, Does she still have accidents? And I said, No, she has deliberates. <laughs> deliberates. <laughs> accidents this is on purpose <laughs> alistair will jump up on a bed look you right in the eye and pee and uh, we have come home and the door's been the bedroom's been left open and he's not been kenneled for whatever reason yep and we're doing sheets at 10 o'clock at night because yep. somebody has peed as a statement yes. so you know they're so, rotten little yeah, kids, yeah yeah <laughs> but sure. you know i would i would i trade one moment of that snotty little attitude not for a second no i know i know i can't imagine life without a dog personally no but anyway 
Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being my guest for this episode. I really appreciate hearing about your dogs and your life with dogs and so on. I'm going to go upstairs and love on my dogs now. <laughs> it's like I have, it's yeah. Been, it's been my pleasure, absolutely. And um, if I ever get a chance to talk about dogs, um, you know, or you yeah. need to talk about dogs some more, I am available at yeah. any time. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> in fact, if anyone wants to call me right now and talk about dogs, please feel free. <laughs> I will text you some pictures. So <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks so much. So you've heard some great stories from guests who've talked about pets they've loved and lost. And I hope you have enjoyed those stories and it's brought up memories for you of pets that you've loved and lost because they they definitely do bring joy to our lives. Um, so I want to end this episode with telling you a story about another pet that was very near and dear to my heart. Um, and that was a cat. Um, his name was Data Kidder. And Data was an orange tabby cat. Um, when I uh, was my first husband passed away, it was just me and my two kids who were two and four at the time. And we moved into a new house and I found some mouse turds in the basement. So I thought I need to get a cat because there might be mice here. We went to the animal shelter and we saw Data and he was perfect for us. So we brought him home. He was an adult cat that guessed that he might be two or three years old at the time. Um, and Data was one of the most patient animals I've ever had. So again, uh, my kids were two and four and they would sometimes roughhouse with him. He was always very sweet. Um, he didn't bite or scratch. He was just a, a super lover cat. When my son Ian was born, um, who he had his disabilities, um, Data would sleep in the bed with Ian. And as is proven in many research studies, um, animals definitely are very um, healing uh, and calming to people when they're ill. So when Data would be in with Ian, uh, Ian's heart rate would be better. His breathing would be better. Um, so having the cat in there with him seemed to really help him sleep better and be calmer and so on. Um, so uh, my my kids grew up, my older kids grew up and moved out. Um, so I had just just Ian there and uh, the cat was was again sleeping with with Ian at night and keeping him keeping him company. So one morning, it's about five o'clock in the morning, I was sound asleep. And Data came upstairs where my room was and he got on, on my chest and he started kneading me with his paws. And it's very unusual for Data to do that. I thought, well, why is he waking me up? This is very strange. Now, Ian was hooked up to alarms for, you know, breathing and heart rate and everything else under the sun. So if he started to have an issue, uh, the alarms would go off and we would know we would go down to assist him. Um, so Data woke me up. I came downstairs and when I reached the bottom of the stairs, which is right outside of Ian's bedroom door, um, Ian's alarm went off. He had stopped breathing. So I went in his room and uh, because Data woke me up that morning, I was able to be with my son when my son passed away, uh, which was a very powerful and meaningful experience for me. Uh, so many years went by and Data started losing weight. He was probably 17 or 18 years old by this time. I uh, took him to the vet and the vet did a biopsy and said he has liver cancer. And at his age, uh, they said, you know, treating him for the cancer would probably kill him. So, you know, you should just keep him comfortable until the time comes when uh, you need to, you know, let him go. So I fed data raw tuna and salmon and scrambled eggs and whole milk. He, he had whatever he wanted for um 
for the rest of his life, which was just a few weeks or maybe a couple months. Um, and then one morning I brought him out his raw tuna and he just looked at it and walked away. And I knew that was him telling me that it was, it was time. It was time. So um, my husband said, I I'll take him into the vet. You don't need to go. And I said, Nope, I have to be there with this cat. He's, he's, he's given me the greatest gift I've ever been given and I need to be there for him. So I took him in with his blanket, which was actually one of the blankets that used to be Ian's. And he was on the blanket and purring um, as the vet gave him an injection and he went to sleep. And it was, um, I, I sat there in that, that exam room, which the vet was very kind to leave me in there with data for a while. And I was absolutely sobbing. And um, I, I knew they could hear me in the room, but I thought I, <laughs> that I, I just, I, I needed to, to be, be with him for just a few minutes before I was able to go home. So I got Data's um, ashes back as cremains, and I still have those um, on my kitchen windowsill um, where I can see them on a regular basis and his collars around the, the, the urn. Um, and I miss him. I miss him a lot. So again, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I really appreciate your, your listening and thank you.